Hello, bonsoir, and welcome to the Get French Football News Show. I'm Nathan Staples, and joining me this evening are Eric Devin, Rich Allen, and Jeremy Smith. Six games down, and we are really into the swing of things in league. Um, but who recovered from European heartache, and who is still eating tubs of ice cream? All of that and more after the latest headlines. Monaco made it. No wins in their last six in all competitions as they continued their midweek hangover to draw one all with Nîmes. Le Crocodile took the lead through Anthony Briancon before Radamel Falcao saved the Monacasque's blushes, but they remain well off the pace. Early on Saturday, um, Lille moved into second as they won 2-1 against Nantes. Jose Font and Jonathan Ikone sealed the deal for the home side with Le Canary now sat in the relegation playoff zone. In the multiplex, Strasbourg got back to winning ways with a 3-1 victory over Amiens, while Montpellier moved into the top four with a 1-0 win over Nice. Saint-Étienne earned a 2-1 win over Caen as they snapped their four-game winless run as both games between Rance and Dijon and Ange Toulouse ended goalless. On Sunday, Paris Saint-Germain eventually recovered from their Anfield defeat with a 3-1 win over Rennes. The home side went in front due to an Adrian Rabiot own goal, but Angel Di Maria answered on the stroke of half-time and unlikely scorers Thomas Mounier and Eric Maxime Chubumoteng sealed the three points for the league leaders. Later in the day, Gangomp remained pointless as Bordeaux ran out 3-1 winners with two goals in the final 10 minutes, earning the win for Le Girondin and heaping more pressure on Antoine Comboire. In the final game of the weekend, Lyon came out on top against the fellow Olympique side Marseille. A double from Bertrand Traore sealed the deal for Legon with Catalacar earning a red card late on. And that's all for now. But for all your latest news in the world of French football, head on over to our website at www.getfootballnewsfrance.com and follow us on Twitter at GFFN. We start this evening with that game this evening between Olympique Marseille and Olympique Lyonnais. Um, Eric, a great 4-2 win for the side that has real momentum behind them all of a sudden after a, a shaky start to the season. A good result midweek is followed by an even better one potentially, at least for their league prospects. Um, this evening as well, they closed the gap and they, they actually on goal different, would have gone it had a had a and G not scored that final goal would have gone above Marseille, but nonetheless, an important result and much needed one for for Bruno Genesio's side in league and terms. Yeah, I, I think it certainly is is good for Leon to to sort of shake off the malaise they've had lately domestically. I think that uh, you know, stunning performances from Traore, I think, who reacted really well uh, to being dropped for for that match at City, uh, had a great performance. Uh, great match from Tanki and Dombele as well, but I still, <laughs> I don't know, I still think this match says more about how poor Marseille are defensively, particularly Caletacar, than it does about how good Leon were. I think, you know, Leon, as they so often do, this have this season rather, you know, relied more on individual brilliance than any, you know, particular style of cohesive play. Again, Dombele had a lovely pass for, I believe, Traore's second. But I, I still feel 
that there's not a whole lot of cohesion at Leon Tech. Marseille, on the other hand, I, I think are are looking very, very foolish. It's, I think it's clear that Coletta Carr, you know, yeah, it may have this experience with Croatia, but is not is not at a league on a level. And that that challenge on Traore was horrendous. His positioning was poor as well. Uh, before he was sent off, I, I think the Marseille, you know, we shouldn't be under any illusions. Their stated aim is not to do well domestically, to, to shake off this poor against the top sides league that they've been stuck with in Liga, and that the rotations that they've made in midweek, uh, with, ahead of this match, that is, uh, speak volumes about what their intent is. And then to come and concede for, you know, again, the absences of Rami and Orlando are a factor in this. Uh, we shouldn't fool ourselves, but uh, the fact that they were so so well beaten by a Leon who weren't playing incredibly well, um, certainly not the level they had been midweek, is a really disappointing result for Les Olivier. Yeah, and it's it's a mixed bag, this one, really, Rich. I mean, Leon obviously played really well midweek and continued at least scoring-wise this evening. And one player I wanted to pick out who has slowly grown into this side over the course of the year and a couple of weeks, at least anyway. And in Bertrand Traore grabbed a, a nice double today, including the first goal. Yes, the second goal is deflected. But another another solid game for him is he slowly and surely builds into to a real nice player for Leon. Yeah, he absolutely does. I think there were concerns last season over over consistency. Um, I think especially when they had when they had him, um, uh, Diaz and Depay, both all three starting playing up front. I think certainly it's it's noticeable how hard he works. I think compared to someone like Depay, um, I think Depay is capable of superb moments, but still has those consistency issues. I think Traore deserves a lot of credit for really knuckling down. He works so hard for that team. Um, he does look at tracking back now. I don't think that was something that was particularly strong for him last season, but he is working hard on that. Um, he's adding goals now on a fairly regular basis. Um, he's looking a real, real threat down that, that right wing. But the fact that obviously he was dropped for the, the game against Man City and, and obviously Maxwell Cornet came in and did so well. It's just highlighting, I think, just that, that Genesio has these options. You know, we saw the depth and, and the quality of the players coming off the bench for Lyon. Um, and it's 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 things like that, I think, that hammer home the point with, with Marseille that they've still got a long way to go. But Bertrand Traore is a fine example of Genesio working with a player um, recognising that there is a good player there, a really good player there that needed to work hard on consistency, needed to work hard on on being relevant in the game throughout the 90 minutes where possible. Um, and, and we're now starting to see that pay dividends, I think. And another great performer, and he had a great time in midweek as well, um, uh, Jez, is... is uh, Tongi Bele. I, I really like that even with, with Pape Diop in there as well, that, that Leon have a little bit more depth, but the big occasion always seems to call for an Undumbele, and, and yet again, he impresses. Yeah, I mean, we've talked numerous times about how in the last year, Marseille have done okay against um, the teams that you'd expect them to do okay against, and then in the, in the big matches, they and certain of their bigger players don't turn up. Um, Ndombele Certainly this season um, has arguably been the opposite. He, he had, didn't really do too much the first few weeks of the season. And then in the, in the last uh, half week or so in, in 
Lyon's biggest two matches of the season so far. He's he's stepped up several levels and and been been the player that that we saw so often last year. Again in the big matches, I think he's. I've said before, for me, he was man of the match in three matches against PSG last season. Um, and you know, he really can do it all. And, um, you know, I've, I've just put on Twitter, but a, few, a lot of other people have as well. With with Toliso now having a long-term injury, there is a place up for grabs in the France squad. Um, Rabiot, I suppose, in theory, is the favourite, depending on how Deschamps decides to kind of react to, to the snub at the, in the summer. But... Um, and Dombele, with those performances in those big matches, is putting himself right up there as a candidate. And he, he really can do it all. I mean, he's proper box-to-box, can can defend, can ping those fantastic long passes, as Eric said, for, for Traore's goal, for example. Um, almost, you know, it was almost an identical pass to the one from which um, Depay had placed against City. Um He's got a fantastic long shot, which if, if I had to criticise anything about him, I'd say maybe he doesn't doesn't try his luck a little bit more often. But he is just, I think, already a, a more or less complete player. And, um, you know, <laughs> Leon Arsport for choice in, in some of those midfield positions. And you could argue that the team could be built around two or three players. But if Ndombele stays there for, for a year or two, which frankly is unlikely with, with the city money that's already been offered for him last summer. Um, you know, Leon really could build a team around him. Yeah, and that's probably the worry is keeping everyone else's mitts off of him, really. He's uh, certainly turning into Mr. Big Time, it seems like. Every time there's a, there's a big occasion, you can expect Ndombele to, to perform. Uh, let's expand on, on what you were saying earlier, really, Eric, that again, Marseille's sort of worrying defensive trends start popping up again that they didn't have the greatest of times on Thursday either against 10 men still going down to a 2-1 defeat to Eintracht Frankfurt and then they head into this game knowing that a, a win would be absolutely enormous for them and they, they don't get the job done they, they had some exciting moments going forward but again like you say there's, there's a lot of worries about their depth especially defending wise as well yeah, I mean, Pai and Sovant were great. I think that there's no doubt for anybody who's watched this Marseille club, uh, Dimitri Pae, you know, I think was frustrated at the back end of the last season with that injury he picked up, causing him to miss out and playing for France. But uh, he's, I, I think, perhaps not to the level he was at West Ham, but he's certainly playing as well as he has since before leaving uh, for Marseille. He had a, a pretty strong match. But yeah, defensively, they're really a shambles. I mean, perhaps Pelé could have done, be- done better with, Oh, uh, the second goal, I, I want to say that it beat him in his near post, but he's generally a pretty reliable keeper, and we know Stefan Danda is as well. But I think that, you know, there's no way to legislate for the injuries, again, that, that Rami and Orlando have suffered. But I I really have to question Rui Garcia's judgment in putting out Coletta Carr in, in a match of this magnitude, given how poorly he played uh, in his previous appearance against Neem. And he was done over time and again by Dupre and by uh, Tube in that match. And I think that, you know, we have a, a similar a similar types of players playing for Leon, uh, the likes of Fekir, the likes of Aouar, players who are very, very good on the ball, uh, relatively quick, but also have, you know, a pretty good upper body strength. I think that's what's really lacking with Valetta Carr's game. Uh, he's poor positionally, but he also is, is very poor physically. And I think that that allows uh, teams who... Uh, w- want to control the ball and, and work in tight spaces to really have their way against him. 
Um, you know, I, I don't know whether um, Rudy Garcia doesn't see Kamara as an answer. I, I think Kamara has always impressed me to a decent enough level. I'm not sure why he's not being given more of a chance. I know he plays, I believe, as a left back in midweek, but I, I think his, his future is certainly there as a center back. So I don't think there are any easy answers from Marseille in this regard, but I think that you know uh, Frank McCourt needs to dig into his pocket again. And, you know, if if the return imminent returns uh, of Rolando, he's perhaps perhaps able to play midweek, uh, and Rami don't get this defense playing the way that they need to. Uh, it's, it's a it's a frustrating development on my end. I, I feel that you know strong Marseille is a good indicator of a strong Liga. I you know I, even as a Lyon fan, I enjoyed seeing them make make that run to the Europa League final last season. Uh, it just seems they've really constructed this team in a in a way that leaves them a little bit more vulnerable than they would perhaps like to be. Now I'm not saying you're, you're supposed to legislate for injuries to Rami and Orlando, but I believe both of them are 33 this year. So to rely on a pair of center backs that are that are of that age, um, and to do it seems like a pretty poor job in bringing in depth in that position is just a really frustrating development. And I think that it, it's going to continue to limit uh, Marseille's top top three ambitions. Jez, do you want to jump in? Yeah, no, I was just going to say that um, you know it it is a big blow, and you know. <laughs> You can have sympathy for Marseille that, that two of their centre backs are injured, but you know there's been certain positions that everyone knew were problem positions for Marseille for at least a year. Well, I mean certainly over the summer, but probably for for a good year now. And when centre back is one of those positions, and when your your probably first choice backup centre back is your best midfielder, which means that you're taking arguably your best player out of his in the, in the whole team out of his best position and weakening another very important position by making him play somewhere that he's not entirely accustomed to you're sort of doing yourself um you're doing yourself down in in two ways it's like a double whammy and you know whether that's McCourt's fault or Garcia's or person you'd suggest ever who seemed to have spent too much of the summer picking fights with Leon East and forgetting to actually do his job. Um, you know, Marseille were always are always going to be vulnerable to something like this happening if they if they had a couple of defensive injuries. To be fair, Leon are as well because I know they did a great job in terms of bringing centre backs either. But you run that risk, and Marseille falling foul of it. Yeah, you, you, you look at you look at the squads then as well, especially tonight, and you look at the fact that from from beating Manchester City, um, Leon made two changes. They they brought in Leo Dubois, they brought in Bertrand Traore, and that that is not weakening the team. Arguably, going forward, I think it's probably strengthening the team. And then you look at the substitutions that were made. You know, Leon could bring on Lucas Toussaint, Martin Terrier, and, and Moussa Dembele. Whereas Marseille were having to bring on Boubacar Kamara, Clinton and G and Valère-Germain. And I think that that really just highlights that as a, as a starting 11, yet Marseille team is pretty strong, but even that starting 11 still has its weaknesses. And then there is a real lack of depth in that team. And it may be that that, that comes. It may be that this project is not a go out and... And and bring in a load of players. It's go out and bring one or two players in, in each transfer window, which seems to be the case. But 
if you're going to do it that way, you've got to accept you're not going to get particularly immediate results and you're going to have performances like this against the bigger teams where arguably I think certainly three of the four goals, there were noticeable um, Marseille defensive errors. Um, Jordan and Marvi, I thought, had a terrible game at left back. I, I don't think Gustavo is a particularly good centre-back, but it, as has been said by by, by Eric and Jez, it's, it's, it's a square peg round hole because ultimately he's going to have to do there because they really do struggle elsewhere. But there was just silly silly mistakes and there have been, I think, certainly the first part of this season that has, has carried through from last season. Silly mistakes that can easily be um that can easily be eradicated. You know, we saw um Morgan Sanson give the ball away in, in the first half that, that led to that Memphis Depay effort that should have gone in. Uh, we saw a silly penalty given away by Strutman. There was absolutely no need to to take Traore's legs away. Uh, Amavi allowed Traore to run into the box time and time again throughout that game um, and just left him, just left him to run around in that box by himself. So there's there's basic mistakes there that can that, that can be ironed out. It doesn't necessarily need new players. It needs Garcia to really be hammering those players in training to, to get rid of those mistakes. Get rid of those mistakes and maybe Marseille go ahead, go away from that game tonight with a draw. And all of a sudden, we're, we're having a completely different conversation. It's a completely different feeling. And actually, you know what? That's a good result for Marseille. As it is, it's a bit of a hammering. You know, they've had a man sent off. They've finished with nine men. It's doom and gloom. Um, but it, it really doesn't need to be for Marseille because they're making so many mistakes to their own doing. Yeah, let's not be too hasty yet. We have to remember that these two teams are still on the same points and both have had rough starts to the season, but we'll, we'll see how it goes on from there. And at least one point for VAR tonight, at least if, after a couple of uh, missteps. Uh, on to um, another entertaining game from today, and that involved two other sides that were involved in European action, and that's Ren versus Paris Saint-Germain. It was an entertaining affair at the Roseanne Park, and a pretty good start for Ren as well in this one, Eric. It, it, they got a good result in midweek, albeit... Um, Jablonek uh, gave them a little bit of a test and it took some while to, to finish them off at least but uh, it, despite the result that first half an hour for Lamushi will, will be real positive in fact you may even push that to the, the first 45 minutes until Di Maria grabs goal Ren were, were more impressive Yeah you know I, I really James Leisaliki I think you know was really the, the catalyst in a lot of this for me I was surprised to see Borjo played in a more narrow role Vasiliki played wide on the left, but he was really impressive. Overlapping runs there, he had uh, tucking inside, allowing Vincent Bain to get forward. Uh, Grenier uh, looked good as well. Yeah, I think this is a, a great match for, for Rennes. I think they were perhaps you know, unlucky not to be ahead, but uh, or, or ahead at, at the end of the Really a moment of brilliance there from Di Maria. But yeah, this is really positive. I mean, it's frustrating to not get the result, but I think that... Um, given the, the gutsy performance they played uh, to, to get that win midweek and to, to come back and, and to play with a level of drive and determination and not really stop, even against the motivated PSG, who have had a lot to who had a lot on the line themselves after having lost to Liverpool. Uh, it says a lot for them. I think this team's you know, going to continue to challenge uh, for the top, the top three, top four this season. 
they clearly have depth. I mean, we, we talked about Liam being able to bring Ben Clarence off the bench, but to be able to bring Ben Arfa, uh, Sibacheo, given his scoring record, I know he's yet to really hit his stride in, in Liga, and Roman de Castillo, to have them come off the bench, I think is 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 a lot. There's a lot there too. I mean, you, then you have a player like Faitu Mwasa, who again, you know, could be more exciting. But oh, I'm sorry. No, I take that back. He's been loaned out. Uh, but uh, I think the point still stands that Ren have good depth, and uh, this is a side that I think we should keep an eye on, uh, even if they do struggle a little bit in Europe. In Europe. Mm. And Rich, from your point of view as well, obviously, as a fan, it's, I felt like in the first half an hour that they controlled the game well, they kept possession well. That that only has to be a positive, even if you're you end up on a losing side against someone who who really should be beating every team in league, really with the the money they spend. But Ren should take huge positives in the fact that they were able to con- not just play well in that first half, but but even control game and control the ball and, and really frust- not just frustrate but outplay out Paris Saint Germain. They did. I think they absolutely dominated that first 44 minutes. Um, it, it was arguably the best football that we've seen from Ren this season. Um, time and time again, we've said with PSG that if 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 you as an as a as an opponent to them go into a game and from the from the first from the first whistle you go out and you are expressive, you are um, attack minded. You know, you can cause PSG problems. Too many times, I think, teams go into those games, as the cliche goes, and, and they feel that they've already lost the game. And that's when it turns into a bit of a walk, walk in the park for PSG. Ren, at least in this in this game, really came out of the traps fast. Um, you know, they had they had their chances. You know, obviously, they got a fairly early goal through the Rabiot uh, on goal. But Niang looked a real handful up front. Uh, Leah Saliki had one cleared off the line by Marquinhos. Um, th- as I say, they had the chance. Ben Sabaini in the second half had a chance that, that Buffon did well to turn around the post. Um, you know, Ren looked good. You know, they they you know they have they have started to put together some phases in games now where it is of quality that you could almost put in that top four bracket. What Ren now need to do, of course, is stretch that out from phases in games to entire games. If they can get to that level, then then we're really talking about something something really exciting with Ren. Um, it's a, I think it's a particular. I think it's quite a harsh scoreline. I don't think um, Ren deserved to lose three one. I don't think PSG particularly deserved to win three um, one. I think again, what we could look with PSG is 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 how good and perhaps underrated Thomas Mounier is at right back. Um, he got two assists. He grabbed a goal. Um, he's he's such an important player that so many PSG fans give consistent stick for for the sort of OM faux pas, shall we say, last season. Um, but he is such a good player for them, such an imp- uh, an important player for them, both going forwards and and covering in defence. Um, but you know, all in all, from a, from a Ren perspective. You know, it's, it seems strange to sit here and say there's a lot of real positives to take from this game, despite losing 3-1. But that's the truth. You know, this is against the champions. This is against the team who will win the league this season fairly comfortably again, I'd, have, I'd imagine. And and they really did cause them some major, major problems. So I think it's important that Ren can take that um, and then move forward. Obviously, there's there's now we've now got a run of, you know, 
far more straightforward games in the next few weeks. And if those that kind of performance and that level of performance can be carried through, then there's a good chance that you know they'll they'll find themselves you know, further up the table than they actually are right now. And heading on to the team that did actually win the game, really, Jesse, it is Paris Saint-Germain. And, but at the same time, we'd mentioned previously about them this season in games against Nîmes, in the game against Gangom, and it caused us to light here, especially now they've lost that game at Anfield and really 3-2 flattered them, if anything. Um, the warning signs are still there for them, aren't they? They're, they're, they're sometimes a little bit lackadaisical, especially in these first halves of games. They're, they're having to sort of snap themselves out of almost a sleep paralysis, it feels like sometimes. And the worry is that, much like it did at Anfield, it's, it's going to bite them in the backside, maybe not in, in Ligue 1, but in their aspirations of Champions League. Um, they can't afford to keep doing that when they're facing much stronger sides. Um, you're right, but I guess it, it, it all depends what you're expectations are for PSG this season and I just I think they had such a bad transfer window I don't I think it's ridiculous obviously with the players they've got on their day they can beat anyone but for anyone to suggest that they're genuine contenders for the Champions League this this season is I think um, ridiculous I, I don't think they're even close to to one of the best teams or squads out there even if they've got you know, maybe two or three players who could get into any of those other teams. I don't think that they're strong enough overall. And um, on that basis, if you think of this as more of a transitional season, which I know uh, a lot of people struggle to do, probably Al Khalifi first of all, but I still think he knows absolutely nothing about football and that's part of the problem here. Um, and certainly the English press will continue to sort of suggest that their candidates just in order to be able to then knock them down again. But realistically, I don't think they are. And therefore, I think this season could just be a good, fun season, watching PSG, watching some of these younger players get more experience, watching Tuchel play around with the team. Even today, it's sort of, um, changed formation, I think, maybe three times during the match. Um, hopefully, in a sense, to make them more likeable, they will have a couple of very poor performances and uh, a couple of fun defeats. Um, you know, if if what I say is true and it is a transitional season, for them to absolutely dominate the league again would be all the more depressing. But I think it could be fun just watching Tuchel work his team out, work his squad out, work with the resources he's got, which in a ridiculous it sounds ridiculous to say, but to an extent, they are kind of limited resources. He's been limited by the fact that whoever Sporter is, he has no defensive midfielder. He has very little defensive cover. He still doesn't really have a top-class left-back. Um, so he does still have dilemmas and, and things to things to work out. Again, not so much in Ligue 1, but certainly in Champions League. So possibly for the first time in, in, in a while, um, if if the expectations of PSG on the European stage are lowered, they could be fun fun to watch. And, you know, to be fair to them today, um, it was definitely the first time they've been challenged this this season. We thought maybe Saint-Étienne would do it last week, but as usual, they sort of come down with a whimper. Um, all credit to Ren for going for it. And as, as Rich kind of said earlier, you know, Ren and I'd say Neem as well, the only ones who've kind of, not shown PSG respect, and they're the ones that have come closest probably to, to beating them. 
Um, if if other teams do that, then um, I think PSG can be got at, but also it will really give us a chance to, to see what Tuchel and his team are made of, how they can sort of combat maybe going behind a little bit more often or combat um, teams who just approach approach playing them in a different way. And Eric just makes a good point there where they obviously had to sort of move on with a lineup um, at Anfield. They obviously were able to play a little bit more expressive midfield against Rem. But at the same time, it, it was they were frustrated in the first half. They were giving the ball away in the middle. Verratti doesn't look quite fit. Rabio didn't have the, the best of games, really. Di Maria obviously scored scored the goal but he, he is much more of an attacking influence on this midfield is it still a, a cause of concern for you there even with Verratti coming back they obviously don't really have a defensive midfield but at the moment none of that midfield other than Di Maria is really convincing yeah I I think that's definitely the case I, I think it, it's frustrating again you know like like both Jeremy and Richard mentioned I, I, I really question the how this team is being built I mean, Juan Bernat, you know, yeah, he played for Bayern Munich, but he's he's worse than Kurzawa at this point. I think he had one, he had a really nice, a couple of really nice crosses, but he's lost defensively. He's, he's too easily overpowered. Uh, he couldn't deal with Saar at all in the night. Uh, and I think I think in midfield, you know, again, having having Baratti back to full fitness when when that does happen is is a good thing. But again, for all Baratti's talents, I mean. How many matches he missed through through having a knock, through a pulled this, a strained that, uh, accumulation of yellow cards. You know, he's not a player you're going to get more than maybe 30 matches out of. I think at at, at his best in the season, and I I don't think that perhaps even he's a player around which you could build a side. Uh, you know, Rabio is playing again as a makeshift defensive midfielder, not a position in which he's comfortable. Uh, I, I don't think he's all getting enough in the tackle. I don't think he has uh, the physical nous to, to play there, the physical nous and strength to play there either. Um, I think if this project really needs to succeed, this, this you know, they have the individual talent and attack. Uh, Neymar had, you know, a handful of really good passes that helped decide the match. But I think on the evidence of what we've seen tonight, there's there's still so much work for this PSG side to do. Which you know, considering where this team could have been, given the money that they've invested in the past eight years, uh, I think is unacceptable. There's there's really no other word uh, to describe the situation in which they find themselves at this point in time. They've brought through some wonderful young players. Rabio can be good on his day. I, I really like Kimpembe. Uh, you know, his his passing ability and and, and defensive uh, strength are, are fantastic. Uh, Ariel looks to be improving as a keeper. Munier, I mean, maybe is the best right back in the world at this point in time. Um, but I think by and large, PSG's scattered shot transfer policy has just uh, left them up a creek, and it's it's frustrating to see. Yeah, and, and the worry, Rich, for me at least, I thought in this this one, especially in that first half, was uh, defensive frailties. I, I don't quite know what Marquinhos was doing on, on some of the bits, and, and there was a bit of flailing around from him. And, and as Eric mentioned, Juan Bernat has not solved that left-back problem as they thought it would be. Give a little bit of a pass to Tom and Mounier, who had a, had a decent game. But uh, it feels like this squad still needs some work on it too, get to that stage and maybe do you try some of these youngsters that they've tried earlier and Sokia and the like who have done reasonably well do they maybe out of the back of this get some more game time I think they have to I think when we we 
we saw the, the opening few games of the season, and we saw that Tucker was giving the likes of, of Nsoki, was giving the likes of, of Weir and Nkunku game time from the start. I think we all felt, well, this is great. This is what we've been wanting to see from PSG for so long. Um, obviously, then in the build-up to the Champions League, he brought his senior players back in, which is understandable in the, in the preparation for it. And and then they obviously you know, put in the performance that they did in the Champions League. Um, I'd like to see some of those youngsters brought back in. I think it's important that in the league, certainly they are given their opportunities. Um, ultimately, certainly I don't think Nsoki and I don't think Weir and Nkunku have done anything wrong to warrant being taken out of the team. As, as I say, th- I'm, this is league focus. Um, so I'd want to see them come back in. You know, and Soki is, is at best no worse than Burnett and actually is probably at the moment, I think, probably slightly better than Burnett. So why not play him? Why not give him game time? Why not give him the experience in the league? Um, and Kunku rarely seems to let the team down no matter what position he's called upon to play, his sort of bit part that he does. And Weyer, when he when he's come on, he's looked a real danger, a real handful up front. Um, you know, today was another another example of Cavani having an off day in front of goal. Um, you know, he was finding it difficult to create space. His first touch was, was pretty hopeless. We saw that short corner routine where he played the ball back and just ended up you know, clearing it into touch. Um, it, it wasn't a good game from him. Uh, and you just felt that, you know, if he'd have got someone like Weyer, who has got a bit more pace about him, perhaps a bit more movement, um, I think, you know, it, it could have been a little easier. I think some of those chances that were semi-created for, for Cavani, you might have seen Weyer create, you know, and, and, and actually hit the target at the very least. Um, so I'm hoping that they do get given chances. You know, it was a promising start to the season to see so many being given, I mean, I've only named three there, but I think there was, I forget which game it is, but I think they finished with six or seven players on the pitch under the age of something like 21, um, which is great. It's really, really good to see because we've been wanting this for so long from PSG because they do have, through all the money that they spend, they do have an excellent academy. Um, and unfortunately, we only ever see it when players leave the club. Uh, and go on to perform really, really well. So to see players coming through, it's a real positive sign. And I think it's it's important for a club like PSG that they maintain that link to the local area by having these youngsters, um, you know, who were uh, you know, born and raised in the in in Paris and the suburbs around the city, that they can see that they they have the opportunity to grow within the the academy and are then given first team opportunities and can break through. And just because they are spending ludicrous sums of money on players, that doesn't mean the likes of your Stanley and Sockies can't come into that team, make an impact and who knows, eventually become first choice left back for the club. That's something that um, I sort of got quite worked up about during the week after the, after the, the Liverpool defeat, after certain journalists who I think for the most part are very good kind of questions what's you know what's the point of the PSG project um, which really annoys me particularly seeing a city whose project is almost identical in absolutely every single way um, always seem to get a free pass um, they absolutely have made huge mistakes um, I tend to agree with what Eric said that, that some of the problems 
that are still there after eight years are unacceptable. But this is the first time that I do feel that there's, there's even if it's sort of been forced upon them by their own mistakes, bringing in Neymar and Mbappe and hamstringing them for future um, transfer activity for, for a while. Um, but do you feel like this season there's a little bit more direction, a little bit more um, sensible thinking? And, you know, this really could, if, if they can get this balance right of stars and very, very talented youth, then it could be, um, you know, an exciting time. But also, I think, importantly, um, a much more likable team. Um, you know, it's all very well selling Jordan shirts and opening shops in China where they're just going to, they're going to sell lots anyway. But whatever they, they profess, um, in terms of money and, and notoriety, the most important things I think are first of all to, um, to, to win more trophies on the continental stage. And secondly, I think to, to become possible, not the team of choice, but to get neutrals. And by neutrals, I don't mean, um, people who, who are just attracted by Nike and Jordan, but people who know about football. Um, and you know, may just randomly switch a match on and make PSG likable to those people. Um, I think the whole thing is a virtuous circle, and I think this is the first time that they're they're making some moves towards towards that. And so, you know, the project hasn't always the project has at times been misguided, as I said. So as cities, very much so. Um, PSG sometimes get too much stick. Sometimes. Not not enough, but it's it is often deserved. But I do feel like they're changing tack a bit, and if they can keep that going, you know, if people like Maxwell maybe can get a little bit more of a say over over things rather than El Calafi and, and Enrique, for example. Frankly, and I know that at least one other person on this panel would agree with me, if they get rid of Neymar. Then I think a lot, of, a lot of things could could start going very much more in PSG's in PSG's favour. You would think, if a, as a smart business move, it would be to invest in an academy and create your own stars rather than having to spend all that money in creating to but to buy them outright. It would save them a lot of money in the long run. But uh, hey ho, let's hope that. Tuchel's uh, youthful resolution, at least in part, at least it, it continues for for the rest of the season, especially when all the other club competitions start rolling themselves round as well. Um, on to our next team tonight, uh, and someone that's causing us a bit of concern, really. After six games, it's no points, nil point on the board for Gangomp, and we've mentioned them a couple of times already, Eric. But it's now that. The, the regret and the 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 worry start setting in after the the international break. We thought, well, okay, maybe they might turn a corner again. They faced a, a side that is toiling after a, a poor result in Slavia Prague and, and something that Adam described as pretty much atrocious, really, on that game. But Kangon uh, get three, beat relatively comfortably three one. Although obviously two goals came towards the end of the game. Is it is it time to start pressing the panic button from from Antoine Kambari? I think I don't know how much of this delay at the feet of Compuare. I, I I feel like he's shown a good reputation for improving younger player. I think that we've seen uh, how Marcus Thuram has come on this season has been really impressive. Uh, I think uh, Ludovic Blas played really well in stretches. Uh, Marcus Coco is another story, but again, you know, Gangam didn't 
didn't really seem to have done the right thing in terms of the transfer market. Ronnie Rodlin, you know, yeah, he was great for Caen, but I don't think that this team is best suited to having him uh, play that style, be so ball dominant. I think you need a player with a little bit more, uh, I want to say trickery, but intelligence to their to their to their game than than he. Uh, the other players they brought in, you know, Yuni Pakoto, uh, Piri, uh, uh, even Frank Tabanu, I don't, I'm just not really impressed by this club's transfer policy. I know they're working on limited means uh, as being a very small club, uh, historically speaking. I know we're, we're sort of used to them being in Liga and even in the Europa League a few seasons ago, uh, but this is still a club of very humble origins, of not a very rich history, and I, I don't think zero points is acceptable, but I, I do think that perhaps what we're seeing is just, you know, a dose of reality is you have the players upon whom they relied upon so heavily. You look at the likes of Kerbra, Sorbonne, Mustafa Diallo are, are older. Mustafa Diallo left. Um, I, I think that Jimmy Brion departed too. I think he was really instrumental in keeping them sort of afloat in the past couple of seasons since he had joined. Um, there's, I think there's really a, a sort of a change in the guard here and that Gangkamp are, are probably going to go down this season and it's going to be a result of, you know, uh, just a reality check. I don't, I don't think it's necessarily a combo or his fault. I mean, maybe the, the playing squad could be structured, but I mean, you look at someone like Etienne Dido again, you know, a fantastic player, but 36, 35 at this point, um, you're, relying on players or Sobron who are, who are at the very, very end of their career um, or players that are frightfully young. And there's not, to me, enough players who are reliable and experienced enough in that middle area that are going to allow this team to to kick on. And Benazay is, is in that bracket, for example, but his injury history is is, is all too well known. But I think it's, just, it's, a, it's a number of factors, but I, I think it's not terribly unsurprising. Do you think that was the mistake this summer, Rich? We, we, Eric's briefly touched on it then, that uh, there's a number of experienced players gone out of the squad, like Mustafa Diallo, uh, Jimmy Briand obviously left as well. I, I possibly had, although to a slightly slender degree, um, Clement Grenier leaving as well, obviously to head to, to Rennes as well, although he was out of contract anyway. Uh, they're hard players to replace, not just for quality, but also for that experience. And, and, a lot of these young players are looking at each other thinking that um, they're trying to look at a, a slow black line that we always worried about really uh, with those two uh, older centre-backs as well, that all of these are combining into something that, that Kambore is at the moment at least unable to fix. Yeah, it's, 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 it's as, uh, as Eric was saying, it's, it's a, it's a pretty old rickety defence, certainly in central defence. It's then a pretty old rickety midfield. And then it's a strike force that is pretty reliant on at the moment, Marcus Turam, who, you know, he's still very young, but I, I would not really put him in the consistent source of, of goals. And I wouldn't necessarily be looking to rely upon him as my source of goals to keep my team up. Um, I think losing Briand and losing Grenier were huge blows in the summer. Grenier, I think they perhaps could have prepared for a little better. Um you know, he was obviously a, a brilliant source of, of creative play in that midfield, which is severely lacking this season. And Brion was 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 fairly guaranteed to get you 
you know, 10, 11 goals, 9, 10, 11 goals, which for a team of of of, of what, uh, you know, Gangot will be aiming for would be enough. Um, and, you know, you then build in the sort of work uh, work rate that Brion added to the team and and with his experience that he was able to, to G up the rest of the team. Um, he was a valuable, valuable player. And I think to lose him, um, admittedly in circumstances they wouldn't have liked to, they, they obviously agreed that he could go basically providing that he went over to, to the MLS, to, to Montreal. Uh, Montreal. Uh, that didn't happen, and Bordeaux pounced, and Gangon were, were, not, were not happy bunnies about it. But they had to deal with it. Um, they obviously brought in Nolan Rue, who last season, brilliant. Seasons before, not so much. Um, and, you know, it seems at the moment he's just being starved of service. You know, last season he thrived. Because he had, you know, player like Dossavi providing, you know, uh, excellent, you know, excellent crosses and excellent, um, excellent balls into him that he could he could finish, and with a lack of creativity in that Bordeaux team, you know, you, it's pointless having Nolan Rue almost in in your team because you're not going to get the ball up to him uh, in the way that he wants it to be played into him. Um, I think Lud- I think you're looking at some of the youngsters like Ludovic Blair, like Marcus Koch, I don't think necessarily have kicked on as well as we we might have hoped. Um, you know, a couple of seasons ago, they were seen as some real, real bright prospects. I think they've perhaps just slightly stagnated. They've got plenty of time on their side, of course, but Gangomp don't have that time on their side. They really need to be, you know, hitting their stride now, which they don't seem to be week in, week out. Um so I think there's just a there's a there's a lot of a lot of problems here for for Gangon. Um and I think that I mean the main one for me is that creativity in midfield. Um, you know, you look at the midfield that they put out today. Marcus Coco said not not overly consistent. Um, they have Benazé. I'm not convinced by him. Um, you had uh, Etienne Dido, great servant, but again, he's he's probably beyond what I'd be looking to rely upon. And then Fafana, who again is 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 okay, but he's not going to be, you know, he's not a player that can unlock defenses. You don't have that player in that midfield that's capable of doing that, that perhaps someone like Grenier did last season. Um, I think the one thing to say in well, sort of in Gangon's favour is I think they've been very, very unlucky with some of their results. Um, I think you look at, uh, at some of the games that they've played this season. I thought today's game was a was a prime example of that. Again, I thought 3-1 was very harsh on them. But by and large, Gangon played pretty well, um, but just unfortunately couldn't finish their chances. I think you can say the same, certainly in that first half against Marseille. Last week, I thought they played really well and then obviously just tired and and and, and were victims of Marseille finally clicking in the second half. And then go back even further then to, to you know, week two. I thought, again, they... They put in a pretty strong performance against PSG, but just came off, um, you know, came off the back of a couple of perhaps harsh decisions, harsh decisions against them. But um, it, things, things, you know, the, 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 that luck will change. That bad luck can't run through the entire season. But they've now got two huge games coming up. They're away at Nîmes um, during the week, and then away at Angers at the weekend. Um, you know, you've, you've got to be looking. Gangon now have to be looking at taking points probably from both of those games. And really, one of those needs to be three points. Um, you know, if we now hit October and they are still without a single point, we're in, you know, sort of twa danger of, of panic and 
this could be a relegation come you know mid march for example so it's two huge games you know, today was a big game but you know it's against a team that have very much underachieved they're now coming up against teams who at the start of the season probably were had points penciled against them so it's really really important now that gangon can recognize where they have performed well um string that together for a longer period of time and then just hope that the luck runs in their favor as well but two big games coming up yeah and the, the worry coming in jez at least uh, with those two games is is against especially like an inside that that do like to play attacking football and Gangop have had a terrible defensive record so far at least minus 13 goal difference as well they're, they're four points behind Amiens who are just above them at the moment five behind Nantes and, and six towards full safety already uh, are there two worst teams in Liga than Gangop do you start fearing even at this early stage for the future uh, a bit of both I, I, I do fear for them because it's been such an awesome start and I think it's, it's very hard to turn turn these kind of um, bad runs around, but you know they can take well a little bit of heart, I guess, from from Nossi, for example, who, who got their first win of the season in Ligue 2 on Friday night um, after having not even having lost seven in a row, not even having scored in any of them. Um, and as Rich said, I think that there are some positives to take out of out of some of the matches that, that they've played so far and um you look at the, the teams they've played um you know, generally generally not in every case but generally they, they they have been you know two or three of the top teams teams like Lille who you know they're well beaten but Lille have you know having a very good start to the season so yeah it's not entirely their fault that it's all gone against them I think Salibu is a, is a huge miss. I know he played the first three matches, but I think he was a little bit of a talisman for them. Um, certainly, Briand, when he left, I was surprised that, I mean, not that he left, but I was surprised that when he went to Bordeaux that they were so upset about it to kind of think, all right, he's a 33-year-old gentleman, he's probably past it now. But clearly, he was very important to them it turns out, on and off the pitch. So there is going to be an adjustment period when you lose two or three of your of your main playmakers or, um, like I said, talisman from, from last year. Um, so I, I do think they can turn it around, but they certainly need to do it, you know, literally in the next match or two because, um, you know, against teams that you'd expect to be um, possible co-candidates for the drop that they are already six pointers and it's not you know it's not just that that they should they lose them or, or not get you know you have to say maybe four points from them and they're two tough away games um not only will they be you know still in that kind of um i don't know whirlpool of a, a sort of downward spiral but they're also giving these these supposed uh, rivals for relegation rivals um, extra points to, to push further away from them so it's it's a tough job because it you know it really is emergency situation now but if they can get something from from these games then I think they can sort of push on and and yeah I, I, on paper I do think there's at least two teams that are worse than Gangon this season but matches that one on paper. <laughs> 
<laughs> That's always the worry, isn't it? If, I say, uh, if only you could play them in a sort of football management style, maybe they they'd be a little bit more successful and 17 goals conceded in six games and none of them really being thrashings really either, although 4-0 against Marseille, the, the rest of them is not been able to keep the team to one, never mind a, a zero yet. Um, but you, finish, could, yeah. you could say, just sorry, very quickly, that, um, you know, as, as, as Eric said about Leon earlier, that, um, uh, that they're sort of relying on individual moments rather than um, great teamwork. In a way, Gango has been a few times... Um, it's not an excuse, but they have a few times been undone by individual moments rather than teamwork as well, which is just a little bit of bad luck. I think, you know, Marseille, there were two or three worldies, even today, that, you know, two late goals as well. They were slightly, slightly unlucky. If, Ru- if Ru's great shot had gone a bit lower instead of coming off the bar. So, you know, you don't, you don't lose six straight matches by accident. But, you know, there is... There is some potential there to say it, it wouldn't take a huge change of form and luck to, to get on a bit of a run. Let's hope they can find it for their sakes sooner rather than later. On to our league and snapshots, uh, and I'll start with yourself, Eric. This week, what is we not spoken about that our, our fans should hear about? Yeah, I just, you know, we, we have talked about them a little bit in the past, but I, I do I do want to emphasise uh, the job that Leo is seeming to do. Uh, you know, shaking off those losses of, of Motiba, who really seemed to be a, a nice focal point for that attack, uh, Yassin Benzia, Anwar Al-Ghazi. That team looked really sharp, uh, less so Al-Ghazi, but particularly with Benzia and uh, Motiba in the lineup to start the season. But uh, they don't seem to have batted an eye. They won two straight. Uh, they're scoring freely. Uh, uh, Rufanch has really looked good as, a, as, a, as the new striker there. Uh, I think that... that, that uh, Jose Fonch and, and uh, Sumora are forming a pretty solid defensive partnership as well. Um, I think some of these younger players, particularly Fode Bellatore, who I had very little time for last season, uh, has, has really – he started to come on in a really impressive way as well. Uh, Salik, the right back, they really haven't missed – again, replacing Kevin Malqui. I don't really think that Lille are missing players like they thought they would, but I think that – it's 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 impressive, and I don't see. Uh, I mean, this team, yeah, depth is an issue. I, I think that's you know if, if, but you know you do have the likes of Luis Araujo and Diego Maia, with Remy on the bench. Um, uh, you have the young defender Dabila as well. Agrae. Uh, I think there's a, there can be potentially a lot to come from this little side. I'm not saying they're locked for Europe or anything, but I think much in the way that the likes of Anant or Montpellier, who themselves had a pretty good weekend. Uh, continue to continue to battle for Europe into the into the very end of the season. Uh, I think that could be a position in which Lille could find themselves come April and May. Mm-hmm. It's a great start for for Galtier doing a exciting football for once. This is a, a turn of events. Uh, Rich, what's your league and snapshot? Uh, I'll keep mine quite brief. It's back to it's back to Gangon for me, um, and perhaps an, on, an ominous sign um, for Combuare is that uh, during the game today. The Cop Rouge, who are the, the biggest, um, uh, oldest and probably most fiercest, most fiercest uh, Gangon supporters group, um, put out a banner, um, which witty, witty to an extent, but perhaps a sign that the end could be nigh for, for Comboare, uh, with the banner reading that Antoine, as with golf, when it's not going well, you must change club. Um, 
which um yeah i mean the gang obviously had an affinity with their their managers they they adored Gorvanet for what he what he did with the club um things started well for Camboire, but when when the big supporters groups um, and one as big and as influential as Cop Rouge's with with Gangon start to turn on you, then uh, it's probably a sign that things are not going to end well. Yeah, that's a that's um, a knock at the the door from death, isn't it? More than anything, from the sounds of things. Jess, what's your Liga snapshot? Uh, believe it or not, mine is exactly the same as Rich's, so you'd have to think of something else, man. Uh, 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 I mentioned him earlier. I'm going to go with Yanis um, Salibu for um, Saint-Étienne, who um, had a goal rightly disallowed because he was about three centimetres offside. But um, the goal, if it had stood, would have been fantastic. The, the way he brought the ball on, um, a long ball over the top under control. And after that, the, the finish was more or less a formality. But it was a fantastic piece of control. And there are, you know, there's, there's a few well-known goals that never were. Um, it's definitely worth looking up Michel Platini sometime, which is absolutely fantastic and a disgrace that it wasn't given um, for Juventus a few years back. Salibus wasn't quite as good as that, but it, it definitely could go onto one of those lists of, of you know, top-class goals that sadly will, will never actually grace the history books. The Liga snapshot for myself is a, a team that surprised me over the last couple of weeks and are unbeaten now since the opening day of the season. That's Montpellier, best defence in the league yet again uh, with four goals. They, the Paris Saint-Germain's conceding one today has put them top of the tree in that regard. They may have only scored six goals, but they're Zakarianing things that you, <laughs> you might want to call it at the moment with, with one nil wins and, and halting the, the slight upturn in, in that Nice have had uh, recently and, and comfortably into third place in the table, which is something you can't really grumble at for the team um, down there. They're playing good, solid defensive football. We did worry with Mukiele and, and Rousselon going. Would they still be strong at the back? Would they lose a lot of creativity from there? They don't really need much creativity from the looks of things. And then looking at games ahead, Cole, Neem, Gangon, Bordeaux, Toulouse, Nantes, uh, although Nantes is in the cup, obviously. Um, there, there's plenty of gaps for them until November time to build up a head of steam to uh, prove those potential relegation candidate tags are very much in the incorrect column. Um, that's all for this week. My thanks to Eric, Rich and Jez, along with all of you listening at home. Uh, do join us for the preview show on Thursday and the main show will be back at the same time, same place next week. Abianto and goodbye.